We're going to start here. And uh, last week we talked about the direction of Samson and how Samson went totally the wrong direction when he had an opportunity to do something completely different. And uh, Judges 14, we're going to talk about the rebel. Uh, Samson truly was a rebel. Uh, He had an opportunity, and uh, to me, it is just an example of a wasted potential. Uh, Samson had so much potential, so much strength, so much ability, uh, but he wasted it. And let's begin reading Judges 14. Let's begin reading in verse number 7 all the way down to verse number 9. The Bible says, And he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. And after a time he returned to her, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion. And he took thereof in his hands and went on eating and came to his father and mother. And he gave them, and they did eat. Uh, But he told not them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. So his father went down unto the woman, and Samson made their feast, so used the young men to do. Now, let's look at these verses here. Let's look number one tonight, if you will, is uh, number two on the page, but uh, the delight by Samson. You think about the delight that he took. Uh, in, in this situation, we go back to that chapter, in, in, in the verses that we read before. Samson went down, he went through the winery, he went through the vineyard, and then on his way back, after he saw his wife to be, he came back through and he saw the lion that he tore in half, and he saw honey in the lion. And what did he do with that honey that was in the lion? He decided to scoop down and eat it up. And, uh, and this was de- delightful to Samson. But truly, Samson should not have been delighted in the fact that he was eating honey from the carcass of a lion. You take your Bible. If you have your Bible, put your finger there in Judges. Let's go back to Numbers chapter 6, if you will. Numbers chapter 6. We are going to read part of the Nazarite vow in Numbers chapter 6 and Leviticus chapter number 11 is where we're going to go with two different texts here. Numbers chapter 6 and verse number 6, the Bible says, All the days that he separateth himself unto the Lord, he shall come at no dead body. So the Nazarite vow, part of the Nazarite vow is he was not to take or to touch a dead carcass, a dead body. Now you'll see later on that Samson also kills a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. Uh, Again, it's one of those things that he wasn't supposed to do is to touch the carcass of a dead animal. And uh, here he comes through after seeing a woman that he should not have been with and uh, with her, and she pleased him well, the Bible says, and he comes back through and he gets this honey out of the carcass, out of the lion. So, but he delights in it, Leviticus chapter 11 and verse number 27. 
The Bible says, And whatsoever goeth upon his paws among all manner of beasts that go on all fours, those are unclean unto you. Whoso toucheth their carcass shall be unclean until the even. So in his Nazarite vow, Leviticus 11 verse 27, Numbers verse 6 and verse 6, what was he not supposed to do? He was not supposed to touch a dead body, and he wasn't even supposed to touch a lion that went on all fours as a dead. Why would he take delight in doing this? It was, it was, it was defiled. It was a defilement for him to do this, but yet he delighted in this rebellion. How many times in our Christian life have we seen ourselves uh, delight in things in which we should not delight in? Uh, if, if the Bible tells us it's wrong to do, should we do it? No, we should not do it. So if the Bible tells us not to do it, should we delight in doing it? No. But do we find ourselves doing that sometimes? Yes. Delighting in things and absolutely that we should not do. He was not to touch a dead carcass. He was not supposed to touch this dead animal. Uh, why in the world? Uh, my question is, even, even at all that, why does Samson go back through looking at that dead carcass trying to find honey in the dead carcass? I, I like honey. Do you like honey? I like fresh honey. I, I've bought the fresh honey before. I've never went to a beehive and like, man, I got to get me some of that honey. Move bees and uh, scrape my hand in there and just eat myself some honey. I'm not Winnie the Pooh, you know. I mean, Winnie the Pooh, he'd get all that, that honey, right? He got enough hair. I mean, he just, just stick his hand in there and get all that honey he wants, right? Yeah. They can't stink through all that. No. Bees don't believe in sharing. No. No. And neither did Winnie the Pooh. No. no. Uh, but anyways, that's, that's a completely different subject for another day. But truly... What, would, what business did he have even looking at that lion and discovering that there was honey in there? What rebellion would cause someone to go absolutely against the grain? God teaches us that we should not have a rebellious spirit. And look, there's been times as a kid growing up, you've been told to do something and immediately you've been told to do something and you go do it just simply because you were told not to do it. But as, as a Christian, as a born-again believer, should I have that same attitude? I shouldn't, but sometimes we do. Why do you think, let me ask you this. I'll ask you this question. Why do you think we have that kind of attitude sometimes? We're told not to do something, but yeah, we kind of like push the edge a little bit. It's built into us. It's built into you? Well, it is because we are not, the only person that sins is Jesus. Right. And we still got these little habits, even though we should pattern ourselves to live a godly life, after we, especially after we're saved. But too many of us follow, follow what the old devil says. Hey, go ahead, it's okay. You know. Just this one time. Uh, just once? Just once. Come on. Just once. It won't hurt nothing. No one will even know. That's right. Exactly. 
That's right. That's right. That's right. And see, now look, and you think about that statement right there. No one knew what Samson did. Even, and, and that's the next point, we won't get on that but until we get there, but uh, as he reached in there and grabbed that honey and he ate it and he consumed it, he loved it so much, he got it and he gave it to his parents and he never told them that that's where it came from. And they believed just like Samson did, so it was wrong for him to do it and it was wrong for him to share with his parents to do it. But too many times, that's uh, we're, we're delighting in that... Uh, I gotta break the. I gotta break it. Mom and Dad told me I can't. Yeah. It's the sin nature. It's that rebellious streak in us. It's that inside of us. That voice. I know uh, the the good and the bad on your on your shoulders trying to talk you into it. No one will know. Yeah. No one will know. Well, I'm I, sadly enough, someone will know. That's right. The only one that counts will know. That's right. The Lord. Lord, have you, did you ever get away with something as a kid? Oh, yeah. Now I look at Alfred. He's like, oh, yeah. Come on. <laughs> look, you tried to get away with things so that parents wouldn't find out. But ultimately, sometimes, what happened? I found out. And I don't know how Mama saw because she was turned the other direction. She have eyes in the back of her head and know what the mama say? They see it. <clears throat> but truly, there's never a time in our life where God does not see. You think that for just a moment you'll get away with it. No one will see. No one will ever know. Somebody will know. God knows. The Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. Uh, there, you cannot get away with sin. You can't go behind and do a bunch of stuff behind the back. Hey, guess what? It'll come to light. It might take time for it to come to light, but it will. And just like with Samson, it came to light. We can sit here and we read the story of Samson and we see it all in full color. We see him messing up, going down there, getting him a Philistine woman. We see him going through the vineyard. We see him uh, messing up, doing all that kind of stuff. We see him getting that, that lion and the, and the bee and the honey and all that kind of stuff. We see that, but they didn't get to see it right then. But at the end of Samson's life, they got to see it. They watched it. They witnessed the failure of Samson. They witnessed Samson fall flat on his face, but it did not start at the end when they were plucking his eyes out. It started right here when he was going through the vineyard and doing things he shouldn't have been doing. And he thought he was going to get away with it. And he thought no one will ever know, but he was busting against God's will and against what God wanted for him. But he paid dearly for it in the end when he lost his eyes. No one will know. Somebody will know. Somebody will know. Do you, do you really think he cared? Because why did he look upon this Philistine woman when he knew he was not supposed to? And he went to his dad. Makes you wonder. Yeah. Makes you wonder. Did he really care? And things coming out now, like in our government, things are coming out that had been hid. And I mean, it'll find you out. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Makes you wonder, did, did Samson, and I, I really, and I agree, Samson probably didn't care. 
I don't know at what some point in Samson's life he decided what mom and dad said and what the Nazarite vow was and all that was going on. He wanted to break all of it. But sadly enough, it's happening to our young people and our churches. I've read statistics about young people who are 18 to 25 years old. They're getting out of church at a high rate and they don't do return into church until they're after 30. Look, there's a reason why they're escaping from church and running the other way. We don't need our young people running the other direction. We need young people in church when they're 18 to 20 and making 25, making the most important decisions of their whole entire life where they're discovering their career and they're meeting their spouses and they're having their children. That's when you need them in church where they're surrounded with the godly counsel and the godly preaching and the godly people and the fellowship that we need. That's where the children and and children of God need to be at that age, not out seeking those things. You know, that's the reason we're here tonight. Most of us older folks is because we were raised in a godly atmosphere. We were raised in the church. I was, and I know... Set you on a path to go. Look at what is happening now. If you don't go by on Sunday morning and pick a lot of the kids up, where would they be? Who would bring them? Who would bring them? That's exactly right. And and it's it's happening all over. Right. I mean, if there's just a lot of them that's still home on Sunday morning. Oh yeah. And no. and the parents evidently don't see the need right. as they should. Right. And we and and so what we've got to do though it is look if you're if and that's one of the reasons why I like picking up people because look if your mom's not going to bring I'll bring you if they're not going to come I'm going to because they need church they need God they need this environment in their life that they do or whether they do or don't have they need it in their life I needed it when I was a kid they need it in their life. Oh, absolutely they will. And, and see where this was a big part of their life. Oh, absolutely. 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 And there'll be changed lives. There'll be young people who, who will hang on and, and get right and stay right and be right in church after the years have gone by. But it's not, it's not going to, uh, well, uh, what do you say, immediately happen. You know, you talk about these young people that are coming. We have, I don't know, we had, I don't know, 18 or 20 kids Sunday, somewhere, somewhere around in there. You take all of those kids, none of them. I don't even think we even had a teenager in the house. We didn't have a single kid over sixth grade. But to me, that's one of the most important places of a child's life is get them when they're younger. So when they are teenagers, they've already developed a habit of being in church and a habit of, of going and getting up um, <coughs> little Gabriel that comes and most of the time he rides the van but most most of the time his mom or grandpa normally comes to church as well but Gabriel missed three Sundays last year then there was another group about Lily and Dominic they only missed like six or seven Sundays last year you know you know they got themselves up and got themselves to church you know, without a lot of times without somebody pushing them, getting them ready. There's a lot of times I'll pick up, I'll pick up some kids and, and uh, I'll pull up to their house and they're just now waking up, you know, because no one's woke them up for church. Well, it's a blessing to watch them come to church and get that desire, but that desire needs to start at a young age so that when they become older, it's still there. 
that training thing where we train the children to do right. Look, that's why it's so important that my children are in church all the time. And I, I, they don't lay out because they're playing ball somewhere. You set the you set the example. Oh, absolutely. Kids, their their parents don't want to come to church. They lot will fall away when they get to be a teenager. They think I ask their parents themselves, "Well, why am I going to church? My parents don't want to go." And it's a legitimate uh, reason. They they're not going to be dumb. All you know, they have to be thinking. But you get a young you get a young person. Their parents come to church with them. They'll they'll they'll. But you get you get a young person that doesn't want what they have at home. And they want what, what's going on at church, and they desire what's going on at church, and they desire the fellowship that you guys give them, though you may not be their parent or you may not be their grandparent, but if you're close to them and you invest in them and you spend time with them and you make sure that you speak to them, look, they're going to look to you and they're going to appreciate you and they're going to grow up knowing and looking towards you as an older Christian. That's what the Bible talks about in, in First and Second Timothy where the older women are teaching the younger women. Yeah, it is talking about the mothers, if you will, but it's also talking about the children. It is so important that we teach the children you are speaking from experience you're speaking from where you've been and what has taken place in your life and what's got you to where you are look stacy would not be in church today had it not been for someone picking her up on a van and bringing her to church and making sure that she never missed a sunday that she was always riding somebody was always going by and picking up stacy for church she wouldn't be in church today had it not been for that and, and I, I, wherever we're at, whatever we're doing, we've got to invest in, in our young people. And look, but we can't forget us old people either, okay? So, I mean, they're important and they're very important, but we're just as important as everybody else in the whole world. <clears throat> and I've got to look at my life and I've got to look at what I'm doing and making sure that I'm living my life and not being rebellious because I'm setting a tone for my children because my children will see if I'm rebellious. My children will see if I buck the rules and don't like what God says and do my own thing and say one thing at church and be a, live another life outside of church. That's what my children will see. And so Samson, he chose simply to try to get away with it, maybe because he didn't, he didn't agree with it. He was brought up in church. His family believed in God. His family was all about God and made sure that they were right. Look, his family was right. In a wicked world, his family was right. But Samson, he grew up and did his own thing. And we can't make our children, you better do right. We can't do that. They've got to make their own choice. But we've got to set them on that path to make that choice, not be rebellious. But they catch that rebellion from us. We see, they see us being rebellious towards the rules, towards God. Well, I think the Bible says that, but, you know, I, I don't think that means that. Simply, Samson took delight in doing wrong. Samson did wrong. And he took delight in it. Anybody have any questions or thoughts? But I will say this too. You can't change your past. You can't change anything that's ever taken place. And I can't change my past either. I can't change anything that I've ever done with my children. The only thing I can do is go forward. And make sure that they have a clean slate. Make sure that they, they understand if I have failed, they need to know, hey, I have failed, but let's not do that anymore. You know.
that's all you can do is put your child and children on the path, especially through church, that they get the teachings. But as they get older, there's some of them going to be like Samson. They're going to rebel against you, yeah. against the church. Uh, I saw one incident where a young guy, he was a good-looking guy, but he died young, but he was... Uh, he rebelled. His mother and daddy kept him in church. Yeah. But he said he was tired of church being stuffed down his throat. Yeah. He told his friends that when yeah. he tried to talk to him. Yeah. But said he died. I, I don't know, and I wasn't didn't live very close to him, but uh, we knew him and, and grew up and you you saw him time and time. But his mother and daddy, we did know, and they right. were very faithful in church, and right. they were. While he's young, but as he got up for age, he become a rebel. Yeah. Like and and it's true. It it happens. I've seen it take place just like that. If you when we get kids to church camp, um, the rebels will meet each other. I, it's it's amazing. It's astounding. You will see all the rebels all of a sudden become best friends. They don't even know each other, but you'll know it because all of them will meet together. It, Rebel will find a rebel. And whatever. I don't know what develops that rebellion. I don't know. I I really don't because uh, I've never had to deal with that. But there is something that caused a rebel. Whether it's in... I I really truly believe, and I believe this, that it's unaimed every individual person what creates that rebel. You choose. I mean, I can have the best environment in all the world, but I still choose. And you can have the best environment in the world. You can have the worst environment in the world. But you choose. You choose what happens. Right? You think, hold on, just, hold on just one second. Because you take Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were in the most beautiful, perfect environment in all the world. No sin, no wrong, no nothing. And what takes place? Sin. In a perfect environment. There was a rebel in a perfect environment. I just want to ask a question. What age did, did Samson turn away? I don't know. To sin. I don't know. I mean, you know, he, he grew up in a family. Mm-hmm. They worshiped God. They were Nazarenes. They didn't drink. They didn't carouse around. They right. They cut their hair. They lived a but, specific lifestyle. But what age did he break away? Mm. A teenager? Or when he got older? You know, I don't he know. He grew up in church. Right. You know. Well, he grew up with righteous family. That's right. I don't know at what age. You know, the Bible doesn't, it talks about his birth. It talks about his parents living righteous. And then it, and then it skips to the age where he picks a wife. So I don't know at what age did he decide that he didn't want, or he decided to go a different path than his parents and rebel against the way that he was raised. Um, and truly, if um, my older brother, he went, he went, he went rebellious. Um, he went off and joined the military and, and lived a, really a, a pretty wicked lifestyle. And he'd tell you that himself. But, but it hurt my parents. My parents were, were upset about it and prayed for him and prayed for him. And, you know, over time, he was out in the world for years. I don't know, three or four years, I guess it was. And, and we'd pray for him on Wednesday nights at prayer meeting. And, 
And in one, one day, he was leaving Alaska. He was going, he'd served in Afghanistan. And I mean, scary thing. I mean, he was away from God during this time period. And he served in Afghanistan and, and uh, scary time. And we we're praying that God would give him right. And one, one day he decided to leave. He was stationed in Alaska. He was leaving Alaska and going to Fort Drum, New York is where he was going. And so he drove all the way from Alaska all the way to Fort Drum, New York. And during that trip, somewhere during that trip, God got him. And he got right with God. And so I say this to you. If you have a child, if you had a grandson, if you have someone that's wayward, don't quit praying for him because God can still work on that child. God can still work on that grandkid, especially if they've been born again. God can bring them back. Um, I, what, now my brother's a pastor in Enid, Oklahoma. I mean, you watched God move him, get him right, and married a, a young lady. Yeah, and all that happened. He met the girl that he would end up marrying on that trip uh, back to Fort Drum, New York. I mean, God began to place things in his life, and and uh, you just don't quit praying for your wayward son. Don't quit praying for the one that's away from the Lord. And as a church, we can't quit praying for those that have grown up. We've seen some teenagers come in church and walk out the doors and haven't seen them in a while. Don't quit praying for them. Keep them on your heart. Keep them praying for you. Uh, keep praying for them. Maybe you've seen it in the past. You have a grandkid or you have a family member that's gone away from what they've been taught. Keep praying for them and uh, keep you stay where, where you're at. Don't move where you're at. Just keep praying for them. And I don't want to get into Sunday's message about the prodigal son, but we'll stop there. But just make sure that we don't delight in the sin, even though they might. Now, I want to look at lastly, number three, number two, and I'm done, is the defilement. Not only did Samson defile himself, but he also gave to his parents in verse number nine in Judges 14. And he took thereof in his hands, and he went on eating and came to his father and mother, and he gave them, and they did eat. Why was it so important that he gave his parents this to eat? Not only did he defile himself, but he also defiled his parents. He wanted to share, he wanted to eat so much in sin, he wanted them to share it with him. Evil, yeah, that's right. Evil men. Look, I sin, I want to share it with you. Evil men want to defile others. That's right. Evil men want to corrupt others. Yeah. It really, it would make me turn gray-headed. I mean, I did. My daughter Right. Well, you spend, you spend your whole life, you pour into your child. And you, I mean, from the, from the day get-go, especially if you raise them in church and you want them to live a certain life, and you pour into them and you pour into them and you pour into them and 18, 20 years... Uh, they've decided to rebel against everything you've ever done for them. Man, that hurts. That hurts a parent. That hurts a grandparent to see those things develop. And it is hurtful. I know that it's got to be hurtful. Um, Alyssa, don't you ever try nothing. And, 
or we'll be in trouble. Uh, don't you be rebellious against the Lord, but ma'am, I woman, stay straight. Uh, but truly, that it does hurt. I can't imagine. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Even your grandkids. Right, right, right. It's sad. But I can't, I don't see how Samson, you know, and, and I guess it's kind of like it is today, but the, all the sin that's going on in today, you know what they want to do? They want to broadcast it and get you on their side. Yeah, really, the the whole pride thing, especially right now, it's really strong. Uh, that is being agendized so much. Agenda, uh, what do you say? Uh, make sure that it's on everybody's agenda. Come on. Come on, you, you got to agree with me. You can't disagree. And uh, it's really sad, but evil men want to entice you to be evil with them. So Samson grabbed that honey. He could have left it all to himself. But he took that defiled honey, that honey that he should not have had, and he took it home to mom and dad to feed them to mom and dad, even though he knew that his mom and dad should not have eaten that honey either. They just were just like Samson. They shouldn't have touched that honey. They should not have been defiled. But Samson wanted to defile them for whatever reason. I I don't get it. I, I really, truly don't understand it. It all has to deal with that rebellion in the heart of Samson. Devil, My opinion. The devil just overrode the good. Yeah. And like Eve, the serpent is the one that uh, caused her. Or that's right. what she said. Right. But, right. But given so much and given so good and taken care of so good, put, placed in a beautiful garden, but yet Satan says, hey, you know, hey, you gotta try that. Let me defile you with this. Yeah. Come here. You wanna try this? Right. You wanna try this? What's that? You wanna oh, try yeah, it? Oh, yeah. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me try all that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Easy, easy. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Come on. Hey, I got some sugar here. You want some? Uh, yeah. Let me try some. But truly, that is sad that yeah. that takes place. And, and as evil, evil, uh, we need to make sure that we don't bring other people to our evil. You know, um, it, throughout the scriptures, uh, uh, <laughs> truly, you don't do, you don't um, sin all by yourself. Yeah, you like to bring somebody with you. It's easier to sin if you got somebody else with you. It's easier to do wrong if you're if you've got somebody else. Hey, come on, let's do it. Here we go. Ready? Let's go. Let's break into that. Let's break into that gym tonight. All right, here we go. Ready? It's easier to do it with somebody than it is all by yourself because you've got somebody else pushing you. Somebody else. That's why. It, that's why it's so important. To make sure that we have right friends and right people around us. Now, again, I will say this though: I don't see anywhere in the scripture in, uh, that Samson had somebody pushing him along. I don't see that he had a, an evil friend that was standing there. Go, Samson. 
God, Sam, Sam. There's <laughs> the devil on his, on his, on his shoulder going, come out, come out. Get mom and daddy wrong and uh, rebellious. All right. Any, 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 any thoughts or questions? Have you ever dealt with a rebellious kid and oh, maybe something that you can tell me to help me that you've, that you've seen that was effective against somebody that was uh, rebellious? Yeah. Don't do it, you know, because I said don't do it, you know, because that's that's well, do all the rebellion. Maybe I tried. If they're in a rebellious. Oh, it must be something, something good. Just try, I'm gonna try that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't mind if my children ask me why. Okay, uh, why do we believe something? Um, and I understand the question. Um, growing up as a kid, a lot of times I wasn't allowed to ask why. I just did it. But as a parent, sometimes I'm like. I understand the question why, because they need to know why. But there are sometimes they don't need to know the why. Yeah. Just because I told you to do it, go do it. But sometimes I think that it's okay if they know the why. Well, why do we believe in this Bible? Why do you have this standard in your life? Why, do you, why is that wrong? Well, let me tell you why it's wrong. That, that type of thing. Because they need to know why. They don't need to just go do it, but they need to know the why, but yet they still need to go do it, whether they agree with the why or not. Because my, my children are beginning to get their own mind about things. Yeah, it appears, like you said. Huh? I'm going to wait until the teenage years. Yeah, they get older, they have. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. You know, you were talking about uh, a child. I had a granddaughter that came to me, Mm -hmm. a teenager, and wanted to talk to me because Mama had punished her. Mm -hmm. And we got into why we don't need to get into that. Right. But she knew when she did the offense that she was going to get in trouble. And when she came and told me, I said, did you know that? Yes, ma'am, I knew. I said, but you thought that you would rather do that and get punished than not do it. Right. I wanted to do it. I said, then take the punishment. <laughs> you knew that right. was going to happen. Right. She knew better, but she did it anyway. Yeah. And we're like that. We are it's sometimes. Not just teenagers. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It is. It is. Has a rebellious streak. Everybody has a little bit of rebellion in them. We're all we're all human, um, and dealing with rebellion is um, again. I, Bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. Foolishness is, and I feel like that foolishness. Part of that foolishness is is rebellion. But the rod of correction shall drive it far from him, is what the Bible says. I don't even begin to have this thing mastered, not even close. But I'll, I'll tell you, I want my children to make sure that they turn out right. I don't want them to be rebellious. I don't want them to go against, just because I said it, they've got to go the other, way, other direction. I don't want that. And uh, I really want them to, to love the Lord and, and desire for themselves and not go the route of Samson where he's just a complete rebel 
and he could care less about whatever his parents have said and taught him and all those things. Any questions or thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I've always not dealt with it with my children, but I've had friends and family who have went astray in a sense. And one thing I've learned is I don't have to tell them they're wrong all the time because they know they're wrong, especially if they've grown in church and they've been in church. You know, because if, if that's all I talk to them about is how they're wrong and they shouldn't be doing this, they shouldn't be doing that, they're not going to come to me when they really need something and I'm going to burn that bridge and when they want to come back to the Lord or come back to church, they're not going to want to come back because all I've done is just berated them and told them how much they're wrong and, and not been loving to them. And so, you know, you just need to keep, like I said, they know, you know, I've got family and friends who they know and they know where I stand on things. And so there are certain things they won't tell me that they're doing or they'll say, I know I shouldn't, but I did this. So they know and they, and they know what's right and wrong. And so you just need to keep that that bridge and that line of communication open so that they can come back to you and come back to where they need to be without shame in a sense. You know, they need to be able to come back and know that they're going to be welcome and not just, well, you should have done it in the first place. You should, you knew better. They know. You know, they just need to be able to come back when they, when they choose to. All right. Amen. Amen. That's good. That's good. Like I said, it's going into Sunday's message with the with the father, how he was just stayed constant where he was at. He never he never went searching for his son, but he just stayed where he was supposed to be. And uh, when his son came back, he loved him. He loved him. No strings attached. No, you know, you know. That's I don't I don't want to get into Sunday's message, but <laughs> I know where you at, Tim. Yeah, Luke fifteen, Luke fifteen, Amen. All right, any other thoughts or questions? We'll go we'll go home. All right, let's, let's pray. Lord, I love you. Thank you for tonight. Lord, I pray that you'd help me um, that I would not be rebellious, um, that I'd make sure that I'm not on purpose doing things wrong. Um, Lord, I also pray that you'd help each and every one of us here tonight that we would not be rebellious and set the right example for those who come behind us. And 